Father, as we go through the baptism of this weekend, we ask that you increase our capacity and meet us at the point of our needs in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Please make somebody welcome as you take your seat. Hallelujah. Okay, turn your Bible with me, the divine order. I know for many of you, this theme is foreign. The theme for the conference this weekend is very foreign. So I would like to do some definition of terminologies so that you can be up to speed with what the body is about. And as we travel on, you will find out the depth that is captured in this theme and why we might need to be very careful in a generation such as ours to be diligent to follow the divine order. First Chronicles chapter 15 from verse 11. First Chronicles chapter 15 from verse number 11. First Chronicles chapter 15, verse 11. And David called for Zadok and Abiata, the priest, and for the Levites, for Uriel, for Asiah, for Joel, for Shemaiah, for Eliel, and for Aminadab. And said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites, Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place I have prepared for it. For because ye did not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. That's where I got that divine order concept from. There was a meeting, an executive meeting, and David decided to call the elders of the Levites together. And the matter and the subject of discussion was about the need to move the ark of God. They had to consult all the fathers, to consult the custodians of revelatory powers to come together because the ark had to be moved. And the reason why the consultation was necessary was because the first time they attempted to move the ark, unfortunately, they overlooked the technology that was being employed for the movement of the ark, which was contrary to the prescription. The ark was ferried into the borders of Israel using a Philistine technology. And the technology was to put the ark on the back of, the, of, of, of oxen. And that was contrary to the prescription. And David said that first time, God himself was the one that stopped the procession. It was, it was insultive to him. It was contrary to that which he had laid out. And so David decided to call the conclave of the Levites together because they are attempting to do again 
that which they did before that God decided to withstand them. And David himself said, the reason why God withstood us was because we did not seek him after the due order. Are you still with me? The due order. Please help me tell your neighbor the due order. The due order. You are not preaching. Preach it to your neighbor. Say the due order. Tell your neighbor that if we want to do business with God, you cannot do it on your own terms. Tell your neighbor. If you want to do business with God, you cannot do it by your own principles. There is a prescription of how you can engage God in every matter from the mouth of God himself. Are you there? Now, the reason why we need to talk about the due order is because I am determined for every one of us to enter into loads of blessings this year. Yes, it's my determination. So I need to teach us the way to work with God. Today, ministers of the gospel are determined to serve God the way they want to serve God. And they have threatened God that they are still going to be in his service. Yeah, they have threatened God. Say, so we will fornicate, but we'll still be at the pulpit. Uh, and we, we, you, it is you we are serving. <laughs> we, we will manipulate everybody and te terrorize everybody, but we are not leaving the pulpit. And the, what we are doing is actually you we are serving. So when you operate like that, he's going to stop the procession. When you operate like that, you are going to, he's going to adjust your lifespan. <laughs> oh, when you operate like that, it, it might be, you might be that you have gathered a mighty movement on the account of this unacceptable approach to serving God. God himself will be the one that will stop the movement. Just like there was a huge movement, there was celebration when the ark was coming and nobody noticed that the way the ark was being transported was not consistent to the divine order. There were celebrations. There were, there were sacrifices. Thanksgiving was rising. But what God was seeing was an insult because what they were doing in the transportation aspect of the matter was not according to the divine order. And because of that, God himself had to stop the procession. God himself had to kill it. Are you there? All right, so I want to take a moment to take us on a biblical journey. And uh, it will interest you to know for those that are interested, the word due order in, in Hebrew is one word. In English, it is the due order. It's a phrase. But in Hebrew, it is just one word. Just one word. And if my presentation is uh, accurate, um, maybe the expert in Bible languages will bring me to order if I'm in departure from the accurate pronunciation 
But what I found in the lexicon is misspout. That is due order. Misspout. And in the Bible, when I checked the lexicon, it appeared 142 times. Now, to show you that it's a subject that is critical in Bible knowledge. All right? So, it appears 142 times. I'm going to take a moment. Are you there with me? Are you there? Because the, the approach I want to take in, in uh, exploring the concept, the idea of the due order is the linguistic approach. So, we are going to take that word. And then we're going to see how many times it appears in the Bible. I just told you it's 142 times. Now, I'm going to read a few of the scriptures within the body of scriptures that is implicated by this word, mispout. And then we're going to analyze them carefully. And by the time we are done with analyzing, you will see that three English words will come out of the compendium of scriptures that carry uh, this word in them. Do you get that? Then when we get the scriptures and we are able to extract the words out of the combination, then we'll begin our Bible study. Are you there? Because if we are going to do business with God, it must be after the due order. The due order. So I'm trying to define what the due order means and I'm going to attempt by unpacking some of the scriptures that has this Hebrew word in them. First of the scriptures is Exodus chapter 26 verse 26 to 30. So have your Bible please help me. Oh no, that's not the first. Jump. Let's go to um Genesis chapter 18, Genesis chapter 18, verse 11 to 19. Genesis chapter 18, verse 11 to 19. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and were stricken in age, and each ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a shorty bear a child which am old is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time I will return unto thee according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son then Sarah denied saying I laughed not for she was afraid and he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Verse 16. And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing 
that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Verse 19, he said, For I know him that he will command his children for your information. The word command there is that word that, are you there? The word that was translated command is the golden word that is leading us to this scripture, which is misspout. He will command his children and his household after him, and they will keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken unto him. God said, I know Abraham. And then God began to reveal what he knows about Abraham. He said, Abraham is going to command his household to follow my ways. Abraham is going to direct his household to follow my ways. Abraham is going to instruct his household to follow my ways. So when we say, the divine order, we are saying that that which God commands, that which God directs, that which God prescribes, you are going to see the sense of prescription. You are going to see the sense of, of, of direction. You are going to see the sense of, of commandment when that word is used. It means that if you want to do business with God, it must be according to his prescription. If you want to do business with God, it must be according to his commandment. Don't claim to be doing business with God on the basis of your own strategy, your own prescription, your own style. That thing that you are doing will not amount to anything in the sight of God. Now, you may not know, but we are going far this weekend, very far. By the time we get to tomorrow evening, you should be able to tell if you're on your way to heaven or your way to hell. With just with scripture. You should be able to tell where you're going. But just follow me gradually. And then we'll see what the Bible has to say. So the sense in which this word was used has to do with prescription, has to do with instruction, so if you want to serve God, it must be according to prescription. It must be according to instruction. It must be according to pattern. So the use of the word here is more or less like prescription. Okay. Um, are you still with me? Genesis, we're still in Genesis chapter 18. All right, and in Genesis chapter 18, verse 22, let us just jump a little to verse 22. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, and but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? This was the card. This was the negotiating card 
that Abraham the intercessor used to commit God to reduce the sample space that was required, the quorum that was required in order for him to turn away his anger. Now, this is the supplicatory strategy that Abraham employed. And Abraham drew near and said, will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? You have a righteous nature. You are the champion of justice, the champion of judgment, the champion of equity. And uh, it, uh, so, 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 is it in your nature to destroy the righteous with the wicked? It means you will be a poor supplicator in the place of prayer if you don't know the person of God. This card Abraham is using to move the hand of God, to influence God, is a card that was born out of the fact that Abraham was fully acquainted with God's righteous nature and he decided to play a card along that line. All right, go on, next verse. Peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city, without also destroy and not spare the place for 50 righteous that are therein, that be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be, that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Are you there? Now, the word judge in that scripture is the same word that I'm probing here, which is misspelled. Shall not the judge, Shall not the one that gives verdict to the activities that are found upon the earth do right? So this word also can be used in issues of justice when a judge or a magistrate gives a verdict. Are you there? So see, this one now is pointing to verdict. The other one is pointing to Commandment, prescription. Are you saying it? Verdict, commandment, prescription. That's second scripture. Third scripture. Come with me. Exodus chapter 26, verse 26 to 30. Exodus chapter 26, verse 26 to 30. By the time we finish these elementary scriptures and you understand the meaning of the divine order, who now starts the Bible study. What I'm doing here is just introducing a concept. If I succeed in introducing the concept, then we'll begin to find, we'll begin to search the scriptures to see the implication of that concept in the dealings of God. Then we can actually trace, no, okay, let me not go ahead of myself. If you are still with me, say amen. amen. Okay, Exodus 26, 26. And thou shalt make bars of shittim wood, five for the boards of the one side of the tabernacle. Are you there? Now, please, let me tell you what is happening here. This is God giving employment to the first civil engineer. 
The name of that civil engineer is Noah. And then God gives him prescription on how to build an ark. He gives him the length of the ark. He gives him the breadth of the ark. He gives him the dimensions of the ark. So if you check critically, what God is doing here is giving the builder prescription. Because if you are going to walk with God, you cannot walk without prescription. God is not haphazard. It's not everything we accept. To deny that our God is an anyhow God that can accept anything that can, oh, is a joke. So we are going to see how detailed God was in giving a prescription to Noah to construct an ark. The entire idea of the ark was God's idea. And now he was bringing this civil engineer to construct something that was not an idea of the engineer. And all the dynamics of the prescription is laid out in this particular scripture. You will even see that the type of wood that is needed for the construction was included in the prescription. And thou shalt make bars of sheeting wood, five for the boards of the one side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the side of the tabernacle for the two sides westward. And the middle of the bar in the midst of the board shall reach from one from end to end. Are you there? Okay. And thou shalt overlay the boards with gold and make their rings of gold four places for bars and thou shalt overlay the bars with gold. Verse 30. And thou shalt write up the tabernacle according to the fashion. Okay, this is the instruction to Moses to build the tabernacle. Are you there? Okay, it now says, and thou shalt write up the tabernacle according to the fashion. The word fashion here is misspelled. According to the fashion, therefore, which was showed thee on the mount. Now, if we translate the word fashion to modern English, it will be pattern. So what happened to Moses was that he was taken on the mount, his eyes, spiritual eyes were open to see patterns in heaven. In fact, he was instructed by God to build the tabernacle according to the pattern that was shown him on the mount. Now, if this man had come, are you there now? If this man had come and then made some adjustments, calling it creativity. Adjustments in length. Adjustments in breadth. So I'm just trying to put my own personal creativity into the project so that it will be me and God working together. The thing about that situation is that the glory of God will no longer be able to be housed in that project because it was not consistent with the dimensions of God. 
Abraham, sorry, Moses was instructed. You are going to build this tabernacle according to the fashion which was showed thee on the mount. So there are three powerful English words that we can draw from this Hebrew word that was used. One of them is pattern. Another one is prescription. Another one is verdict. Pattern, verdict, and prescription. Are you there? I'll show you other scriptures, then we'll begin our journey for the evening. So you are going to build. Now, Pastor Tony, are you aware that your calling is from heaven? Say that, that way. Your calling is from heaven. Once and again, the reason why you need to fast and pray is so that you can peep into heaven and see your calling from there. It's when you have seen it from there that you begin to implement it. Not according to political correctness or social correctness or generational correctness, but according to the pattern that you saw on the map. Are you there? So once upon a time, somebody said that they should watch me, that I'm soon going to fall into immorality. So I decided to answer the person. And people were offended because I answered. Why did you see the way you answered? But you see, unfortunately for the people, I'm not in their service. I'm not in their service. You build according to what? Pattern. Pattern. In my response, I did not project self. I projected grace. Grace as the energy, the divine energy that equips a man to live above sin. All right? So if I boast, I boast in the grace of God because I know that grace. Are you there? Pattern. Is what you have seen that you will build. And what you are building may not be something that human beings might look at and appreciate. They say, no! But you see, we are not building from the philosophy of human beings. We are not answerable to human beings. We build from the pattern that we have seen on the map. And even though an entire generation may not like you because you are building according... Meanwhile, meanwhile, are you there? Are you there? You are not going to be... Someone that a generation that is perverse will like if you decide that and insist that you will build according to pattern. Because your life is going to be a judgment on that generation. You need courage to build according to pattern. Not according to what is trending. Not according to what is raining. But according to the pattern that was shown day on the mountaintop. Many people receive patterns from heaven. And because of the nature of the society, because of the, you know, the concept of social correctness, they had to adjust to accommodate social realities. If you, if you are guilty of such, it means you are no longer a servant of God. And the glory of God cannot rest upon that which you are building. And it will interest you to know, no, don't worry, tomorrow, tomorrow.
And we show you the grievous consequences of deciding to build in such a way that is not consistent with pattern. I'll show you from the other side, from eternity. And then you'll be able to judge your life to know where you are going. Are you with me? If you are still with me, say amen. amen. No, it's according to pattern, not according to people's perception. It's according to pattern, not according to what your generation thinks. It's according to pattern, not according to popular vote. He said, ensure that you build how? According to what you saw on the mount. So I came to tell us that everything that God does and everything that God wants us to be involved with in, in him to do has a prescription, it has a verdict, and it has a pattern. If you are going to be in God's service and not in your service or not in humanity's service, and serving humanity the way humanity wants to be served, or you, you can serve God and you use God's pattern to serve humanity. Are you there? Depending on who you believe called you. I need to show us a few scriptures. And what happens when pattern is violated. So the word misspelled based on scriptures. Based on, okay, Numbers chapter 9 verse 3. You will see that word again. Give me Numbers chapter 9 verse 3. In the 14th day of this month, at even, you shall keep it in his appointed season according to all the rights of it. The word rights there is misspelled. It must be according to the prescription. Are you there? It must be according to the prescription. It means God has a prescription for everything he wants us to be involved with in his kingdom. So, because of the limitation we have in terms of time and the limitation in terms of the sessions that we have available at our disposal to prosecute this matter of patterns, I want to, I will choose just three areas. Three areas. Okay. Let us begin the journey. Can we start? I still have other scriptures that we can, the word we are investigating features in. And you will see it's either it is under prescription or it is under pattern or it is under verdict. This is God's verdict about the matter. This is God's pattern in approaching the matter. And this is God's what? Prescription on the matter. You get it? Okay, so let's look at some, some prescription. You might not like what will come out of the Bible today. <laughs> All right. Prescription. Meanwhile, it's not my prescription. It's the divine prescription. Matthew chapter 6. 
He said, take heed that ye do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Are you there? Okay, I did not introduce my, this scripture properly. The first subject that I want to treat on the issue of patterns and prescriptions is the subject of divine rewards. That's where I am now. And this subject of divine rewards will start today and will build it, will build it from time into eternity. So we are dealing with the subject of divine rewards. The pattern, just in case you want to do something and you're hoping that God will reward you. Are you with me? You want to do ministry in such a way that God will give you a reward at the end of the day. You want to order your life in such a way that you'll be worthy of a reward from God. then you will need to know the pattern, you will need to know the verdict, you will need to know the prescription for rewards. That's why I'm going to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Is that clear? Now, I'm, I said I'm going to choose some, some themes, some topics that we are going to deal with under the broad topic patterns. Are you there? So we'll say patterns for rewards. Prescriptions for rewards. He said, take ye that ye do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your father which is in heaven. Wait, before we continue with the reading, I'm reading from verse 1 to verse 6, but before we continue, I need to explain. Jesus is the one saying, take heed that when you do your arms, are you there? Take heed that when you do your arms, so Jesus is expecting that once and again, as people of God, you'll be confronted with a situation where there's somebody that is less privileged around your life that you, you open up your bowels of mercy to. This is the expectation that God has concerning you. Yes, I know you complain that your situation is so terrible. Um, the economy and the economic meltdown has melted your pocket and your warehouse. But you will still be confronted with people that your situation is way better than. And God is expecting that the bowels of mercy be opened on your part to administer to them. Alright? So, he's expecting that we should operate that way. He's now telling you that there's a prescription about giving arms. He's telling you that there is a way to do it as prescribed by God. He said, when you do it, take heed. Anytime you hear Jesus say, take heed, it means that you have to be careful because there is a tendency for you not to take heed. That is why he's saying, take heed. That you might decide not to give arms up. But the day 
you want to be involved in arms giving, there is a prescription as to how it should be done. So he says, meanwhile, that's if you want to be rewarded. Because there are other ways that you can do it that will exclude you from the reward. So he said, take heed that he do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Because if you do that, you will have no reward of who? Of your father, which is in heaven. Now, because of the need, because of the need to press on this matter, Jesus introduced a word that he had not used before in the book of Matthew. And the word is hypocrite. He introduced that word. He said, when you are doing arms, take heed. Because there's a temptation for you to put it on social media that I'm feeding widows. <laughs> ah, there is a temptation for you to put, you say, okay, now we are giving scholarship. Then you bring your camera. Then you say, my name is Susan. I've received 50,000 to go back to school. Hallelujah. He said, take heed that the human nature, the human nature has a tendency to want to advertise. But when you are dealing with the less privileged, God wants to protect their self-esteem. You want to damage, do you think it's, are you, do you think it's positive for someone to come and, in public light, it means you demean that, that creation of God in order for you to, to, to reveal yourself as someone that is so merciful, so kind. In the eyes of God, it's an act of wickedness. If you really love the person, he is now telling you that the way I'm seeing you, you want to take this thing on NTA. The way I'm seeing that you want to do this thing, you want to go on Facebook. So take it. Are you there? But in our generation, the yardstick to know who is a man of God is in compromise of the scripture, a direct command from scripture. You will never know how many people I assisted to go to school in your in, as long as I'm alive. You will never know it. Some people that make noise on this matter. Some others that don't make noise do more than them. But the guys that do more than them that you're not aware of are doing it unto God because their eye is on the reward. Some others are not interested in the reward. What they are interested in is to be seen by men. And Jesus formulated a word that he had not used in the Bible before because of this matter. And the word, that, as I said before, is what? So in the eyes of God, that person that wants to give arms to be seen of men is not in God's service. It is in his own service and God calls such a person a hypocrite. We are in a generation where hypocrites are celebrated as being passionate and compassionate. Meanwhile, that act of hypocrisy is a direct violation of, of the prescription. Do you still want me to continue this message? Yes, 
You see, I have a long, there's a, a journey. We are going to go this weekend. Hey. I, I studied the Bible, and when I hit one point, I stood up to examine my own, my own life. If I've been, ah, Jesus, there are prescriptions in the Bible. Are you still with me? Now, let us do an analysis. Um, the personality that is going to reward someone that gives arms, where is it based? In heaven. So this prescription that is coming is a prescription that is coming from someone who sees from heaven. If you decide to be a hypocrite, what it means is that your efforts does not strike any chord in heaven. And because your efforts doesn't strike any chord in heaven, there is no account of what you claim to have done in heaven because you were a hypocrite and what you wanted was to be seen by men. Next verse, next verse. Go on. He said, therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet. What will a trumpet look like in our time? Facebook. Let it not appear. You know, if Alphonsus becomes a local government, I've been praying for him to become a local government chairman. And then he goes to the village and gathers all the widows. And then he says, voice of one crew, come on, come on. Then they will now view the, the women's faces. One will like, they put camera. On. <laughs> and then the camera they'll put on, on, on his face. He will smile. Then he will give rice. He's saying the day you want to give the women rice, don't take the cameras there. That's what he's saying. Do not sound a trumpet before thee because the way of the trumpet is the way of hypocrites. So we need to separate between one that is unveiling the bowels of mercy sincerely to meet needs of the less privileged and one that is a hypocrite. They are not doing the same thing. The reason is because the hypocrite has sounded a trumpet. And there are two platforms that hypocrites operate. Two platforms. Do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogue. So the first platform of the hypocrite is where? Synagogue. Now, may the Lord give you understanding. <laughs> the hypocrite has two platforms. One is what? Synagogue. And the other one is on the streets. Because of the way you laughed, I will, know, I will not analyze. I would have analyzed these two matters. Mm, there are platforms that are suitable for hypocrisy. Two platforms. Where trumpets are sounded. 
where men are more desperate to be seen by men rather than to receive rewards before the God who is in the heavens. Because of the way you reacted, I will not explain those two platforms. There are two platforms. <laughs> that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. I've not finished. Let's continue. If I'm moved, I'll come back to synagogue and street. But when thou doest thy arms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Are you there? Left hand. Right hand. Well, if you have a better interpretation for that scripture, please confront me at the end of the service. But the way, what I think this scripture is saying is even your wife should not know that you give arms. Even your husband should not know that you attempted to help a, 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 a struggling widow. Even your mother should not know that you decided that you'll be paying this guy's coffee. If you have a better interpretation, you can confront me, but this is the one I've been using up until now. That even your wife is not aware. And the reason why the left hand should not know what the right hand is doing, he gave us. Go on. Next verse. That thy arms might be in secret. So the rule, the prescription for helping the less privileged is that it must be in secret. All right, so. And then this scripture now gives us an insight into the personality, the person of our father. The Bible says, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So the first thing about our father is what? He does what? You yeah, are not with me. Now, I would like us to take inventory of all the descriptions of our father that is unveiled in the book of Matthew chapter 6 because we are going to sustain those perspectives as we tow the path of the believer's reward. So the first identity of our father we see in this scripture is that he sees in secret. He sees in secret. Now, if you have intelligent children like the one I have, you need to be hiding sometimes to hear what they are discussing. Then one of them will say, they are going to come and pretend as if they are crying that they need this. They know that if they say it straight, their father will not accept. So they will pretend as if their heart is broken. They are crying. <laughs> But you know what? That their manipulation will have no power over you if you have seen them in secret. <laughs> you are not following me. <laughs> that attempt to bend your hand will amount to nothing because you peeped through the keyhole and you saw them in secret. 
<laughs> Do you know that he has been seeing you? <laughs> he knows the hypocrite. The one that is trying to perform. The one that is, needs a stage desperately because he's into performance. The reason why he knows the hypocrite is because he sees, not from the audience. Where does he see from? From the keyhole. What I'm just showing you is the prescription. Can we go on? Next one. And when thou prayest, can you see that in, in giving, in giving, we have a giving hypocrite. You will not see here now. In prayer, we have a prayer hypocrite. <laughs> and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be at the hypocrite's hour. For the love to pray standing where? Those two platforms. In the synagogue. And in the corners of the street. Why do they position themselves strategically in the synagogue and the corner of the street? Why? That they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you. They have their reward. Now, stay with me. Are you with me? A hypocrite, a prayer hypocrite can get answers to prayer. The only thing that a prayer hypocrite will not have are rewards to prayer. So there's a difference between answers to prayer and, and what? Rewards for prayer. A hypocrite can get answers. It's only in rewards he's excluded. The Bible says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. For any reason for which you came, you came as a hypocrite. Huh? You can get answers. But he said, he must believe that he is and that he is a reward. It's the reward aspect that the hypocrite has no part in. And that's why I'm giving you now the divine order for what? For reward. He's excluded from the prayer, the reward angle of the prayer labor. Even though he can get answers. How many of you still remember the scripture that said, call unto me and I will answer you? And that's not all. Then the reward I will show you. You were not, you were, you were praying because you wanted answers. But God is using your prayer as an excuse to give you a reward. So the thing you want, he gives you. Then beyond what you wanted, he now brings you into something else. I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. You were not asking for those things because you didn't even know those things exist. You didn't know that those things were existing. And God wanted to use your prayer to take you into those things that you do not know. Even though, in order to encourage you, he will give you answers to the prayers you have prayed so that you will know him as a God that answers. But what he wants to really give you is not what you were asking. He wants to take you into rewards, things that you never knew existed. But the hypocrite does not have a part in the economy of rewards. 
The reason is because are you there? Next verse. We'll find the reason. He said, but when thou prayest, enter into thy closet and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward the open. Now, in this prayer angle, he has added another item to the description of our father. He said that our father is in secret. They are not there. He said that our father sees in secret. So if we update our revelation about the father, he dwells in secret and he sees in secret. But when he rewards, he doesn't reward in secret. He rewards openly. So you can actually tell someone that God is rewarding because of secret labors. You can tell if you have the eyes to see. If everything you are doing is on display <laughs> and there is, a, there, is, there is a tendency that that is how a man's ministry is fashioned. Is fashioned to advertise everything that is doing. So there are no, there is practically nothing that is done that is behind the scene. Everything is on display. That effort amounts to the definition of hypocrisy. And it's a brilliant way of excluding yourself from the re reward package of God. Is that clear? Don't get me wrong. Hypocrites in prayer can get answers. But the only thing they are excluded from is reward. Are you there? Oh, you are not there. Hallelujah. Hmm. I went for a meeting. And I was the second preacher. And the first preacher came up. He was a very powerful preacher. He's a friend of mine. He moved in the prophetic. He moved in power. Casted out demons. Spoke prophetically to so many people. The things he said that will happen during his ministration, because he came and gave an announcement that when, during this ministration, this will happen to 17 people. This will happen to this number of people. This will happen to this number of people. And all those things happen. So a friend of mine was sitting with me on the seat to this side. The host was this side. The preacher that went to preach was sitting by the side of the host, this side. My friend was here. So my friend now said, when you get there, this man prophesies, you prophesy. This man has power. He has manifested, you have it. There's one thing the man does not have. Do all those ones that he has. Add your own. <laughs> that advice is the advice for hypocrites. People that perform. 
two of you are ministers in the same meeting. If he has done this once, it means this one, you don't need to do this one again. Oh my God. People are already here. People are already blessed. The only thing lost now is that you have not traveled in the Bible and I have competence in that area. So I went to the scriptures. No miracle, no healing, no power. Nobody fell down during my session. There was no prophetic word. There was just scriptures. And I did scriptures because it took a lot of time and it ate half of my time doing miracles. I used the remaining of my time. I did not take more. The 30 minutes that he left for me to do my teaching, I did teaching for 30 minutes. Years later, I met people whose lives were transformed with 30 minutes teaching. Everybody forgot who fell. Are you following? The reason was because I was not willing to be a stage master. I prayed for miracles, but when I came to the place, there was no need to operate in it because someone had done a good job in that area. So I added my labor to his own labor to perfect it so that everyone that came for the meeting will have the best of all things. It was humbling to know that the 30 minutes window that God made available made an impact on people that they still remembered eight years later. I, I was humbled by those testimonies because they described the meeting, they described the way I was seated, where I was seated. I knew those guys were in that meeting. I, I did not know they were in that meeting, but they knew they were there. And the impact was still living in their hearts eight years later. He said, your father is in secret. And how does he see? He sees in secret. He analyzes in secret. And he will reward you how I went to preach for my friend in Abuja. So he was telling his congregation. I had a spot where we used to pray in the university. So I called him. I said, let's go for prayer. That spot was dark. There was only part of it that was littered up. If you are praying on that corridor, sometimes you go into darkness, then you come into light, then you go into darkness. So I will pray that prayer for as long as I need to pray it before I go attempting to read my books. Are you there? So I got him one day, I arrested him. Because what I do is that I just move around. When I'm going for that prayer, I see some people, I arrest them. I say, let's go and pray. In fact, some people stop reading in some classes because they know that I will come there to look for support vessels for us to labor in the place of prayer. So this day, I, I accosted this my colleague, and I forced him, bullied him. We got to the prayer room. So we now prayed. Meanwhile, we had a test the, the next day. We prayed after one hour. When I prayed, I moved into the darkness. The man ran away. 
he escaped. He took off. You know what? He never knew that of all the classmates we had, only two of us would be pastors. Today, two of us are pastors. He told his congregation, he is regretting that he did not finish that prayer. See the difference today. It's not me that said it, it's him. So he might be watching now, you know I'm saying the truth. He escaped. I was in the light. Then he moved into the darkness area. Then <laughs> he took off. But the one that saw in secret, he took inventory. Are you with me? Even me, God allowed me to work with my certificate for, for 16 years. Him, God never allowed him work. So that certificate he was going to, that test he was going to write to secure a good degree. Hey. Ah, may the Lord help you. <laughs> Some of you want to take off like a tornado. Look at this prayer thing. I assure you, I'm an old Christian. You are going nowhere if you don't have a robust Christian a prayer life. I'm old in it. You are going nowhere. And it doesn't matter the darkness that has formed in your family. If you are consistent in prayer, you will see, you will see levels of liberty. Levels, oh my God. Unchallenged promotions that will come into your life because you have decided to deal with God. He entered darkness. And then, it took 30 minutes before I knew he, had, he was gone. <laughs> Please help me tell your neighbor, don't run away. I met my colleague in the bank. Because lecturers told me, why not settle down and study this book? Settle down. Study your books. When you are done with university, preach. So I told the lecturer that was giving me that counsel, have you read the book of Ezekiel? Have you read the book of Jeremiah? Huh? You are finished school. You have not read Jeremiah. You have finished your PhD. You have not read Ezekiel. So, are you with me? When is that convenient time? That convenient time for reading. Did it not come to you? But you never read. So if you cannot read it when it's not convenient, you will not read it when it is convenient. Are you there? I did not know that God was seeing all this. People felt that, oh, some of us, our prayer life was going to affect our productivity. When I was employed into the oil industry, it's still the prayer. There are many assignments that will give you that even the people giving you the assignments know that there's no solution to this question. You go and pray. And God will say, why not do it like this? Why not do it? Why not do it? When you come for operational meeting, people begin to explain how they did it. And then you explain your own. 
Then they say, hey. Then everybody now do it like this. It means a man that gave the assignment did not know how to do. He wanted to use our brain. When the brain has produced something, then we adopt this one. I have seen the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows the job more than I do. So the investments I made in the Spirit, they were the greatest investments of my life. I will reach back to the Holy Ghost, then he will point his hand and say, this is the way to go. I never regret. In fact, I even believe I did not invest as much time that I was my God. Oh my God. The problem, the issue here is that our God, he is in secret and he sees in secret. I, I believe I, I did not maximize. I, there were things I would have shown him in secret. The rule I had those days is that before I read my books, I must read the number of chapters of the Bible that I, will, I was to read that day. I will not touch any book until I read. Do you know how many Bibles I used up? How many Bibles? All those things were in secret. Nobody knew I was building it. Today, wake me from the sleep and say, from, from sleep and say, okay, um, can you bring 24 scriptures on faith? Oh my God. Oh my God. All I need is five minutes with my Bible. And I'll bring 130 scriptures. Five minutes with my Bible. You don't know. I ran away from my studies today because the scriptures began to speak to me. Began to speak. Began to speak to me. So I ran away. I ran away because I wanted to go and find out if I was worthy to preach this message. If I've accumulated value, sufficient value in secret before the God that sees At the end of the day, we all graduated. We passed out from university. And those days in our class, if you were a chemistry student, the slogan all of we that were chemistry students had was that the chemistry student wanted to be to work in the oil industry. So we used to call ourselves oil man, oil, oil woman, oil king, oil, oil, oil. When you hear that, we are prophesying. Do you know? That in that whole class, I was the only one that entered the oil industry. I was not the best, so you are not with me. I was not the best. There were more scholarly people than myself, but those people did not have a place in the prayer room. When it was time to reward openly, the Lord still anointed that certificate. I was not willing to do anything with the certificate. He anointed it, and he said, you will use it for my glory. The people that ran away from the prayer room to go and study never had the opportunity to use their certificate. Our father that sees in secret. So, this is it. This is it. Number one, the hypocrite wants to be on display for men to see. Nothing wrong with that if that's what you choose. But be it known unto thee that such a life doesn't strike any chord in the realm of the spirit. In these days of um, short videos, Facebook, Instagram, in these days, I know people that go everywhere with camera. 
when they adjust their tie, they say, just, just take one. There is a temptation for you to be a hypocrite. When he's lacing his shoes, he say, you. I even saw one praying on a crusade ground and was praying, Lord, release. Then he had to instruct the person that was to focus the, the camera like this on a crusade ground. Father, release. May the good Lord give you understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Believers of old were men of the secret. They knew how to do business beyond the eyes of mortal men. If you have ever seen a tree before, you will know that there is something called root. The strength of the tree is in that aspect of it that is hidden. The parable of the tree is that the extent of fruitfulness you have visible to the eyes of men is a function of how deep your roots are. And roots are hidden. Roots are tucked away. Roots are not visible. Did I take you a little further? When the Bible says, you know, initially, when he was talking about giving arms, it says your father sees in secret. It was when he came and began to talk about prayer that he says your father is both in secret, he, he dwells in secret, he functions from the secret place, and he sees in secret. It is when he added the other, the other insight about our father, that our father is in secret. He changed the tone of the matter. Are you there? Because it goes deeper. He dwells in secret. Huh. And you know where he's going with that? He's telling you that the secret place where I dwell is your heart. Are you following? Now, if you can do something, oh my, you're not with me. If you do anything whatsoever and you're not concerned about the one that is in your heart, because what God does is this, when you manifest something that is contrary to him, he will protest from the heart. That protest that God is protesting from the heart is an attempt to bring you back into line. But hypocrites will be so concerned about being a spectacle before men that they are no longer concerned about the one that is in the hidden place of the heart. I preach messages before I'm the congregation hailed. Meanwhile, in preaching those messages, I lost my I left the stage to go lie on my face for days. At any point in time when you forget 
that he dwells in the privacy of your heart. You will trivialize the signs that he manifests to register his displeasure at times. When you are no longer sensitive to understand his signal, you will go headlong into activities that are merely designed for the platform. You are becoming a hypocrite. And gradually, the sensitivity in your heart will begin to go away. It means it's becoming tired with you because you are becoming reprobate. You are losing sensitivity to his movements, sensitivity to his protests, sensitivity to these matters. And the issue of God dwelling in secret was raised when he wanted to talk about the prayer hypocrite. Because in prayer, the concept of being a hypocrite is a deeper matter than just almsgiving. In almsgiving, the moment you, you blow your trumpet, you're already a hypocrite. But in prayer, the moment you ignore the signals of the one that is in your heart, you're already a hypocrite. One of the things we need to do today and pray today and say to God today is that God will renew our sensitivity of his presence on our heart. I've seen a lot of believers that have become hardened. Hardened in their corrupt way. You cannot journey that far except you become reprobate. Except you've ignored the one that is in secret, in the secrecy of your heart. So long that it doesn't feel there's any profit to be gotten from awakening you to a trespass. The other day, a young pastor wanted to marry. We were so excited because he's someone that has never looked the way of a damsel before. Doesn't want to, no. And this time came when it came to his heart that he needs to find a damsel. It was like an answered prayer. We rallied around him, rallied around. We're ready to see him take the step of faith. And when the courtship had reached the crescendo, the lady opened up. And since I was in primary school, this bishop told me that if my school fees would be paid because my parents couldn't pay my fees, and because I was intelligent, he said, if he's going to pay my fees, I'll become his sex partner. So, for many years, until I got to so-so year in the university, I've been servicing him. It's when I met you now that I stopped servicing him. And the bishop he spoke about. (laughs) 
the bishop he spoke about is on the microphone everywhere. Say something like fire will come upon you. Come on. Now, now, there must be a form of death that has happened to your sensitivity. Because when we calculated the number of years that the lady was in that matter with the bishop, so all this while he's been in this mat in this field, he had to die on the inside for him to go all the way. A prayer hypocrite is a man whose sensitivity to God is dead because he dwells in secret and it was and he sees in secret. Oh my god! Oh my god, he can know your thoughts. He knows what you are thinking. He knows what you are processing in your mind. I even repent when evil thoughts come to my mind. Because I know he sees. Any day, any day you forget that God sees, you are already falling. You are already falling. He sees. He sees. He sees. He can see the moves you made. He can see all the text messages you sent. He can see all the songs you sang. He can see all the, 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 the songs you stored on your phone. <laughs> he says in secret. And the Bible says in the day when he, he will reward, he will not reward in secret. He's been there all along. He will reward openly. I fear him. I fear him. You've heard my story. I told you that I was in a room with two people. And those people broke the padlock and said, we don't need the key here. Are you there? Uh, you can't steal from. If you steal from there, they will, they will find you. So, <laughs> so, there were two people. So you can come in and out as you please. They used to bring women. I, I would just come. They are with doing their thing. I get my books. Then I will force them for us to pray in the night. I say, you know Jesus? He's coming again. <laughs> ah! They will pray. But the next day. So life goes on. In fact, one of the days, it rained. It rained heavily. So I was in the room. A lady came and undressed herself. I was reading. Just undressed. Uh -uh. That she's wet. Say, you are wet? Okay, so just sit down. I ran. You, see, I ran. <laughs> you know what? You are not with me. And he sees in secret. He sees. I ran away from that room. To, I ran upstairs. The haste with which I ran took all the sugar from my blood. That when I got upstairs and they gave me, they admitted me into my friend's room, I slept straight because there was no sugar left in it. I expended all the sugar in the blood to reach upstairs because he sees. There was something at work in the life of Joseph that made him run away. 
from Potiphar's wife. Imagine, if you had some business with Potiphar's wife, the woman would have recommended that they should, have, they should adopt him. There was no talk of children in Potiphar's house. Adoption papers would have come forth. Potiphar would have signed under the persuasion of that woman. The guy would have had tea to drink. I've had a loaf of bread. But I've had enough food for his stomach to, to protrude. But his brethren would have died in hunger. The purpose of God would have suffered. Every time you become self-centered and self-seeking, God's agenda dies. It dies. And for many ministers of their gospel, the agenda of God on their life died. But they are still in the world of performances. Because Satan has blinded the eyes of many of us from the rewards that are to come. And hypocrites have no reward in the day of which I speak. Oh man, has your heart become hardened? If your heart has become hardened and you can no longer feel the displeasure of the king that dwells therein, it means you forgot that our father is in secret. One of prayer today. It's a quiet prayer. That the Lord will quicken your sensitivity in your heart again. Let your heart become as tender as it was when you gave your life to Christ. A, a pediatrician was analyzing a newborn baby. And he brought a newborn baby before her audience and press the body of the baby. He said, the baby is soft. You know why it is soft? We say no. He says, the baby's body is soft because the, the baby is clean. Totally clean. But when you begin to eat, some of the things you eat are poisons. It hardens you. But the baby is soft. So soft. You touch the hand, it's soft. It's tender. It's, it's, a, it's a sign that it is clean. Oh my God. That heart needs to be tender again. It's too hard. The one that dwells in there needs to be able to vibrate. Move the heart around to show you that I'm, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. For your father that dwells in the secret place, your father that sees in the secret place, he will reward you openly. There will be a thousand opportunities for you to, to violate God. Under the pretext that there's some gain that you are going to get. But it's a transaction that will hinder your chances with God. Can somebody ask for tenderness afresh? Tenderness. Have you lost the tenderness? Have you lost the tenderness of your heart? The tenderness that was there before that could make you cry. Under the intense grace of God. Have you lost that tenderness? It means that you are losing sight of him that dwells within your secret place. Oh my, oh my, make afresh, make alive. Cause my inner members, my inner chambers, cause the tabernacle of my inward man to become tender again. To become tender again. Talk to him in the privacy of your heart. There's so much hypocrisy in our generation. 
and it is all done in the name of the service of our God. Oh my. He sees in secret. He sees in secret. He sees the alignment of your heart. He sees the desires of your heart. He can read your mind, your thoughts, your inner being. Never trivialize him. Never trivialize him. Oh, can you cry to him? These are the days. The days of the Nazarites. The days of the Puritans. Men that will walk and know God in their inward parts. Men that will know when God is provoked, when God is protesting, when God rejoices in their spirit, when God is speaking, when God is testifying, the heart must become tender again so that we will be able to synchronize and, and, and come into the frequency that is transmitted from He that dwells within our members. As your heart become hardy, Riavo seke, Manto seke, Makayando seke. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we call upon you. Help my heart. Help my heart. Help my heart. The great one says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. The issues of life will proceed from your heart. There is this one that dwells in the privacy. In the members of your inner chamber. He dwells in the sanctuary of your heart. Oh, that you might be sensitive to him again. Rodera Isaila. Engova Isaila. Rondeva Bakoria. Mescatandore. Sheka la babonda scapria la babosa mandala. Rukas keto bandela. Iko bramanatala baboria. Rakasanda baboketala. Rondo do babosi kamaya. Now, choir, help me with this song quickly. We want to journey in prayer in a moment. There must be a renewer that God will do on your heart, on my heart. We want to journey with Him in the Spirit.
chapter 1 verse 4 on the board draw me we will run after thee the king had brought me into his chambers we will be glad and rejoice in thee we will remember thy love more than wine the upright love thee it's only the upright that can love God only the upright. If you don't make a big deal of uprightness, you will run away from, from the orbit. Now notice he said, he said, draw me. This drawing we are talking about is a drawing of the heart. It's the instrument with which he regulates his own. Once and again you hear Paul say, the Holy Ghost constrained us. He drew us. Can he still draw you? Can he still draw you? You are going on your own and he draws you. That's a man that is alive to him that is in the inner tabernacles of his heart. 
you notice the Bible says, draw me. Then the next statement is, we will run after you. Because if God can draw one man on the heart, he will influence many more lives. The number of lives you will have the capacity to influence will be determined by how much you allow him joy. So this is the prayer point for the evening. Draw me. Because when he draws you, what he's doing is that he's bringing you into his inner chambers. Inner, inner, inner chambers. Inner chambers. Can you cry to him, draw, draw me. Draw me. I've been in the outer court for too long. Can you draw me into the holy of holies? I want to understand the rhythm of your inner chamber. Can you draw? Oh!